the shore where the mountains meet the sea In a clapboard shack by a broken down tree There's a light in the window, just salt to gals inside I'm not sure if they're witches, but you know that's implied Got the storytelling, ego swelling, pillow talking, moonlight walking, sea Welcome to the Sea Hags Podcast. I am Katie Nordgren. And I'm Chris Jeppa. And with us today, Alexa Dredge. Woohoo. <laughs> oh, what a lovely day today down at the Sea Hags Shack. And how? <laughs> and how? I'm sorry, I froze for a second. Yeah, I looked you in the eye and you gave me nothing. I know, it was like you medusa'd me for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, we're just recording live from East Vancouver from our little shanty down by the industrial bluffs in, uh, yeah, lovely scenic East Vancouver. Uh, it's, you know, afternoon and it's dark because it's winter and luckily we're fighting off seasonal affective disorder with chats with friends and some delicious vino verde from Portugal today. Mm-hmm. Portugal. <laughs> mm. Oh. Uh, bom dia. <laughs> how's it going, you guys? Yeah, it's been a week. Yeah, how's your week been? Oh, it's been, um, it's been one week since I looked at you. <laughs> <laughs> and since that time, um, when we last recorded, I was off to a bachelorette party, which I have, I've been to once, one, one, one time before in my entire life, and this is probably the last time I'll ever go, but uh, ended up being a lot more fun than I would have expected. Oh yeah? You do some shots? I did shots, which uh, I haven't I done. I saw your tweets about your shots. Oh, thank you. I haven't yeah. done, sh- I don't know why I said thank you to that, but thank, <laughs> thank you for, thank you for validating me. Uh, but I hadn't done shots in, oh God, seven or eight years probably, and... I was coerced into the red-headed slut, perhaps for obvious reasons, <laughs> being a few of those things <laughs> myself. Excellent. I like it. How, How about you, Chris? What was your week like? Oh, well, I was going to ask our guest first, oh, Alexa. How oh, was my your week? week was a week. It progressed in a chronological fashion. Uh, that's like the best I can say about it, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, I made some cookies, I made some tacos, I ate both of those things. Great. That was the highlight. We're a very, like, food-enthusiastic podcast. Yeah. I also have cookies at my place, so if afterwards you want cookies, I have two different kinds. Nice. Do you have ones that have gluten? I do. Cool. I want those ones. They're Mexican hot chocolate snickerdoodles. (sighs) Coming over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my week was good. I went to a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy-themed birthday party last night. Nice. And I dressed up as... I uh, saw your picture, too, through something. Yeah, Paula Paula Nancy Milston Jennings, the worst poet in the world. Mm. And I realized, I was like, oh, go through my closet, pick out something real frumpy to wear, and then I put it on, and I'm like, oh, this is what I wear every day to work. <laughs> but then I just put on my old glasses that I had from when I was a teenager and did, like, really super high blue eyeshadow and then posted a lot of unflattering photos of me on the internet, which... Uh, I actually really liked. Nice. Yeah, it was like a weird journey of self-discovery where it's like, oh, instead of just like defaulting to cute smiley face, like, I need to do more character work in my selfies. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a pretty wide range of expressions. Diversify your portfolio. Expand your selfie repertoire. Yeah. (laughs) Lovely. I like, I thought they were pretty good photos. You're like trying to pull a face that was not attractive. I was like, no, you still look pretty cute. Yeah, thanks. No, you're welcome. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) They giggle after. So she's... So she's the worst poet in the universe, and that includes Vogon poetry? Yeah, they're the third worst or something. She's really? Even, she's even worse. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... So, But what I did last night, is, yeah, I just read poems at people at the party. It was pretty fun. They How were did like, they like this that? is uncomfortable. <laughs> 
having a poem read at you. At you. Aggressively. At you. Yeah, it's not <laughs> really to you contact. or with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, yikes. Ooh. I just thought about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, like, feeling kind of, like, verbally assaulted by poetry. Ugh. I don't know if that's better or worse than, like, the college boys singing to Hey There Delilah or something while making eye contact. Like, oh. is the poetry better or worse? Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey There Delilah. Who does that song? Um, one guy that I had to go to jazz choir camp with three years in a row. <laughs> and he sang that to you? Uh, to a group of girls in our bunking area. Uh, day. At least once. Did I you think... have to, like, smudge it to get his bad vibes out of there after? <laughs> uh, no amount of smudging. None. <laughs> but <laughs> there's nothing that can really be done there, because, like, it's weird halfway through the song to be like, no, 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 you know this isn't good. We know it's not good. We can just give this whole thing up right now. You can leave, keep that shred of dignity, put it in a box, decorate it, and hold on to it for the rest of your life. It's like, you've already, you've already lost. But instead, he played the whole he thing? He played it through. And oh. then you have to do, like, the little clap where you're just like, thank, thank you, thank you. You have to that. figure out exactly the right amount of clapping to stop him from crying, but yeah. to not encourage him to continue. Oh, yeah, no. no, luckily he had, like, just impenetrable self-esteem. Oh, so luckily uh, what yeah. would that be like what i would wonder that be like? to have such confidence that you would just pick up an acoustic guitar and like sing a terrible song and at think, some girls that yeah. like totally don't have any interest and just be like yeah this is good i'm gonna keep going yeah i would love to have that kind of confidence to move through the Everyone world that way wants to hear what i have to sing or say in this room guaranteed <laughs> well i guess we sort of have that kind of confidence because we're making we're recording this conversation so maybe some people want to hear what we have to say yeah but we're not doing a podcast to them at a party in a corner, right? <laughs> they have to actively download we this. Faux intimacy. Well, yeah, once we release this podcast, we could start forcing it upon people, like corner them at a party and just stick earbuds in from we, behind. Uh, from behind? <laughs> it's like, that's probably auditory assault of some kind. Oh no. We should probably not do that. Okay. Maybe it's better if this just languishes in a quiet little corner of the internet and doesn't get us arrested. So, Maybe. Uh, we keep kind of brushing her. No, that's actually a very terrible segue. Never mind. I was just going to say, you know. See, you stopped partway through and you salvaged your dignity. Guys, you can do that. You're allowed to just abort the mission <laughs> partway through. That is for you. <laughs> We're just trying to demonstrate for you how you can go, wait, actually, not a good idea. Give me five seconds. I'm going to come up with something better. <laughs> we can teach anything. In this moment. In this That's moment. It. This teachable, teachable away, moment. Mid sentence, mid song. Just yeah, do just it. go. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> just move, move on, and try again later. Yeah, and then it's when the people are just like, "No, but what did you mean?" And then they keep pressing you for it. Then you're just like, "Just trust me." Trust me on this one. I didn't have anything in the can. <laughs> there was nothing there. I started, that was my spontaneity, as I started before I really knew where I wanted to go with it. Sometimes your brain just runs ahead of you, and your mouth just keeps making noises out of it. <laughs> I've never had that problem. Yes, I have. <laughs> Many times. I was trying to elegantly segue into uh, one of the reasons that we invited you here today, Alexa, is to talk about uh, a cool project that you and Katie had worked on. And maybe you want to set this up a little oh, bit as to, like, why sure. we wanted to talk about this? Absolutely. And, you know, it's always good to just be transparent about the fact that I didn't just grab some rando off the street. Um, we're padding out the early podcast releases with people that we already know pretty well. And so, for me, it was very logical that I would contact someone that I walked through a fire field with a couple of years ago um, in terms of 
Uh, well, you know, Alexa and I were both in the same program at SFU and uh, in the same class, and we had a very ambitious teacher who had tasked us with creating some kind of social intervention that dealt with... Um, trying to figure out a way to say this without sounding like an absolute asshole. Um, like an intervention that deals Gendered with... Gendered barriers in public spaces. Yeah. Is that... I don't... I, I think you missed the second part of the directive I was trying to give oh, okay. myself, trying to not sound like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that there's no way to break that down further so it doesn't sound like it's jargon, is it? Is there? Not really. No. So basically it was supposed to be... How do you be would, cool to each other in public spaces? Yeah, but how, you know, gender plays a big role in how certain people experience public spaces in different ways. And so mm-hmm. the assignment was to create an intervention, which is not a very, um, it's not a very fleshed out idea in and of itself. Like what is an intervention? Um, but all I could think about when I thought about gendered experiences of public space, it's just how shit scared I am if I'm mm-hmm. by myself on the SkyTrain or a bus after about 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, how many times, not so much lately, because I've cultivated a more frightening appearance to young men, <laughs> um, but how in my early 20s I really caught a lot of shit from people who, when I was just trying to be nice to them and they, you know, encroached on my space and made me feel really uncomfortable. So, And I knew that that was not unique to my own experience. So... I sort of just floated that in class, and you were the only person who wanted to help me. <laughs> Everybody else had really weird, cool ideas. I think it was ideas. also that I eagerly jumped on it, because I already wanted to be your friend. So oh, I was like... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so before anyone else had a chance to express interest, I was like, ah! <laughs> me, please. Me. <laughs> That's really cute. That was really cute. Oh, thank you. It's true, though. Um, but also because it was a good project, not just because I had a friend crush. But, like, a little bit of both. <laughs> Making hand hearts. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really see them. Uh, oh, that's really cute. I'm, like, blushing now. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Ooh, Alexa likes me. <laughs> this is fun for me because I only saw, like, some of the outcomes of your project yeah. and didn't really know about the beginnings or the inception of it. And so we wanted you to kind of talk about it to, again, in sort of the theme of some of the stuff that we want to talk about in the podcast Mm -hmm. is, like, laying bare that process. Like, people would only see the outcome Mm -hmm. and the final product or, like, the ongoing process that you guys did publicly, but there was a lot of stuff that you were dealing with behind the scenes. And just kind of cool to, like, cast a little light on that. Yeah, and I mean, if you had only seen it from the outside and seen the things that got, you know, published, you would think that we were very with it and totally knew exactly what we were doing. Oh, fun. Uh, When in reality it was sort of like we were doing almost damage control from happy accidents yeah. um, and just trying to kind of manage how something really spun out of control. Uh, not even out of control, but just way beyond what, um, you know, an assignment worth 30% of our <laughs> course grade was supposed to be. Ooh, yeah. that's a very good teaser. Do you want to start from the beginning? Of, that's like, a very good got... place to start. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Don't make me break out into show tunes. I will do it. I will do it. I will turn this podcast around. <laughs> So Yeah, so basically you had talked about uh, starting that project in the class. Being someone who has an absurdly approachable face, I guess. Me? Me. Oh, you. Yeah, I mean, like, you too. <laughs> you get a I, lot of unsolicited yeah, information from, from people. people. Yeah. Do you get that too? I get tons of it. I guess we don't look totally dissimilar. Maybe it's something to do with, like, a, like a slightly open mouth and wide eyes. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a little baby animal that wants to hear all your problems. (laughs) (laughs) We both have counselor face. Yeah, probably. It's like, oh, tell me all the things that are bothering you, even though I'm like, no, 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 no,
yeah, so I've had a fair number of experiences with that, and right away I was like, I can relate, this is something that's constantly bothering me, because it constantly happens, and so we started the project, and within a week, we had interviews for different media outlets, it was like a yep. week, right? Yeah, so what, what, what is the, the project? The project itself is, uh, what we decided to do was a storytelling campaign, we like the idea of having a blog, because... It would allow us to interact with people without necessarily having to be down on the ground and talking to them, which is like, it's a lot of, it's a huge amount of emotional and social labor and it can be really exhausting. It's a lot and, of demands on you know, the participants. Too. We're full-time students and we work part-time. So it was, it was something that would allow us to interact with people um, in a remote way that was really still quite effective. So what we did was we started a WordPress blog and, um, and a Twitter account and just pretty much started promoing it and just very suddenly people were very interested in it. Like, I think Facebook was a really good resource for us because we just kind of shared it to our respective friends lists and that got shared, like, I want to say 60 or 70 times mm -hmm. or something. And then, like, within a few days, uh, Stephen Hui from the... Um, Georgia uh, Strait. From the Georgia Strait had contacted us for an interview. And so you were trying to solicit stories from people about their interactions on the bus, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. The bus and the SkyTrain just kind of like, hey, have you had a negative experience? So I think, you know, we put in a couple of our own... Um, and anonymize them and we're just sort of promoting them and uh, a thing that we were doing was try to come up with sort of glib or uh, informative titles for the stories and used a lot of really corny alliteration but it did get some attention and it made people kind of more interested in reading it I think so it kind of to me like when I read some of the first blog posts and it was called harassment on translink or That's transit right. Harassment on TransLink. Yeah, and it like each sort of um, blog post, I guess, almost felt like a advice column or like a like how someone would submit to that. It's like, dear, you know, such and such in Seattle, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they all had like yeah, a clever title. But then it was like women's actual like well, not just women actually, right? It was you were soliciting. Stories we got stories from... from people of kind of all gender identities mm -hmm. and um, particularly like people who identify as LGBTQ or part of the queer community. Um, they anybody who's visibly queer or, or trans is just going to be at greater risk than the average person, and so we did get quite a few submissions from people who are trans-identified or who are who believe themselves to be visibly gay, like <laughs> that they were able to be identified on site that way, and there was some gay bash stuff that went on mm. that was also reported on the website, and uh, so it was just very pretty instantaneous we were getting just a, a tidal wave of submissions to our uh, to our email address and we were having to kind of go through them make sure that you know everything in it was it made some degree of sense and we would post them pretty much totally unedited mm -hmm. and um, and then promo them through Twitter and then yeah it was the the Georgia Strait article was really what started the avalanche of people just wanting to talk to us and we had no preparation whatsoever yeah. for this media juggernaut. Yeah, like, we didn't even have a chance to talk to each other before the first interview, so... Wow. It was essentially, I think you texted me being like... I think you texted me being like, um, we have a request for an interview on Monday or whatever day it was. It was like today or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just like, okay, I guess we're doing this. And I was like, I feel like I can trust you to... to be sort of in line with, <clears throat> with what I would want to say about it and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being really good. Um, but it was definitely a lot to happen at once with zero preparation for the kind of feedback that we had and the amount of feedback that we had. Yeah. Um, and became kind of its own volunteer pro 
project that we weren't really expecting. So mm-hmm. so it started as, yeah, just a school assignment that you thought, hey, we'll post a few of these stories and spread the word and get some of this going, and then we'll have a blog that we can submit for school. Yeah. The end. I think yeah. we thought that at best we were going to get maybe a 1,000 or 2,000 hits to our website, and that would have been just fine. You know, we got a dozen stories, and that would have been perfectly sufficient for the purpose of the assignment. And that is not what happened. <laughs> That's not what happened. Yeah. Well, what did happen? <laughs> I'm on I'm on pins and needles. Ooh. With you. Well, the first uh, the first <laughs> interview with with Stephen, I think, did we do that via the phone or we? I think we both spoke to him over the phone yeah. separately. Yeah. Um, and then within a day, uh, Global had call, called me when I was on my way to work, which I also worked at SFU uh, and continue to. I don't know if I've said that before. You've or never if I should. named your institution. Uh, well, you know what? Whatever. I work at SFU, <laughs> and I went to SFU, and uh, I was supposed to be doing a day's worth of work, and Global called me, and I said, "Well, you know, I can't really do an interview because I'm going to work." They're like, "Okay, yeah, you don't understand. <laughs> this is a news cycle thing. We need to see you right now. Mm-hmm. We can't see you tomorrow." Whoa! Like, weird. It was it was so weird because they're so forceful and they're so uh, urgent urgent and yeah. so focused on getting a story uh, ready for publication and for um, well, it's for broadcast well it's still interesting momentum. and so not really realizing how all of these different media outlets will just go go to any lengths whatsoever to yeah. contact you and get a hold of you like they were calling um, the uh, media relations people at SFU to find me so because wow. I have a fairly recognizable last name, they Googled me and were able to find me, and then they called media relations, and then they called my boss and then wanted to talk to me because I wasn't picking up my cell phone. <laughs> and I was getting media requests from people at CBC via Facebook, what? which was really weird. That seems really strange and, like, not... But I guess that makes sense, like, because that's an accessible way for someone to get a hold of yeah, you. Yeah, it's kind of a by-any-means-necessary thing. The intensity of it was so shocking to me. I didn't realize it worked like that. I mean, of course it does, in yeah. retrospect. Also How really else could strange, it work? though, when you get a text being like, hey, this is so-and-so from this news outlet, and you're like, oh, okay. How did you, how did you get this number? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I need to meet you in three hours. You're like, oh, all right. So, I guess I don't need to go to that class so terribly. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it, we ended up being able to get excused from a lot of things, yeah. but it was, I think that day that started with that global interview, um, we did 14 interviews that day. Yeah. That day? That day. Holy shit. I think we did <laughs> no, probably... No, that's really exhausting. Are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I hadn't slept the night before either, oh so... My. Uh, so I look like, if you've seen videos from that, I look like a space alien and I look trashed, but I'm just exhausted. Like the muscles in my face weren't working properly and they were doing weird things and now it's forever, you know, saved for posterity on the internet, but whatever, you know, you must be the conduit through which the project flows. (laughs) You can't just be, oh, I'm vain. I don't want to be on TV looking like a weird person. Yeah, so I guess that's, like, an interesting tension, right? Where it's, like, I really am tired and I don't want to do this. But it's, like, if you stop for a day, Mm -hmm. then whatever news cycle will carry on without you and your project falls in the dust. Did you ever consider that? Like, maybe we'll just stop doing it and maybe people will stop calling us? (laughs) Or did you really want to, like hey, this is amazing that we're getting way Mm. more attention than we thought. Like, let's keep going and, like, let's see how long this kind of last for? Well, it's really difficult because you do want the project to gain momentum and you do want it to keep going because it's something that is important and often ignored. So you're like, the more attention it can receive, hopefully the more awareness you're able to spread through it. On the other hand, you're like, I'm super tired. I still have homework and a job and all these interviews. My skin's breaking out. I have to be on camera. 
and I just want to nap right now. So <laughs> it's hard because you know that it's important and you want to do it, but you're also like, I also just want to sit down and have lunch and mm-hmm. not be doing this right now. It was now. not really an option over the course of a couple of days. And but it feels selfish, too, to not do it. Oh, yeah. Because you do want to help and make a difference, and you're like, well, it's for the greater good. Yeah. So it feel I like I would feel really guilty not doing. Oh yeah. Any interview that was um, suggested, basically. Yeah, I, I think we said no very rarely. Yeah. I said no to twenty four hours, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just because they were a piece of shit. It's a piece of shit newspaper, and they were really rude. Oh, and and I was just like, you know what? No. And then they ended up just pulling quotes from us from other from other sources, which was really shady. So, twenty four hour newspaper, you're on notice. (laughs) You're on my shit list. I'm not gonna do anything about it. I'm just gonna scowl at you and take a metro instead. (laughs) But I like, I really like what you said there about the feeling guilty because Mm. I think that that ended up becoming a bit of. a bit of fuel to the fire in some ways because I think that you and I are just maybe way too similar in a lot mm-hmm. of ways in that we have a real strong sense of duty and responsibility to things that uh, that seem like they could potentially be important whether or not we actually mm-hmm. want to do them. Yeah. So, you know, once we've had any kind of involvement in something, it's very hard to extricate and like practice very necessary self-care. Boundaries. And boundaries. Yeah. yeah we were shit-ass at making boundaries, I thought, yeah. <laughs> in retrospect. I don't know. Maybe. I think we did the best we fucking could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not great at setting boundaries for work, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I want to do as much as I can, but it also means that sometimes I don't delineate an amount that I will do before I have to focus on myself. So Mm -hmm. they bleed into one another. And even when you're not doing that thing that you feel like you ought to be, you're like, oh, I'm thinking about doing that thing though. So Mm -hmm. I'm not really enjoying the time that I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, slept very poorly during yeah. the sort of major two-week period that it was really, really chaotic. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, there's this expectation that if you're doing work like that, if you're doing um, even paid nonprofit work or something that is largely centered around care, there's this feeling of wanting to help but also feeling really obligated to help out of the goodness of your heart aside from any other benefit, mm-hmm. which is a really difficult thing to manage. Mm-hmm. Um and that kind of, it kind of takes advantage of people's, like, willingness to be kind and yeah, caring, yeah. where it's, like, I get really passionate about, like, paid versus unpaid work, and, yeah. like, I like my time to be compensated, and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all of that, but sometimes it's not possible, I guess, if you're mm-hmm. like, hey, we're putting this thing together, and it is volunteer mm-hmm. completely, and we're just running it off of the steam of our own, but it's, like, so much cool stuff happens because people just put in that personal time and don't get paid, and it mm-hmm. would just be really nice if... Yeah, and it's still skilled labor. It's still something that you have to have some um, awareness of and some training in, almost. Like, we we were doing a lot of interviews, and if we hadn't had a background in the kind of education that we did, it would have been a lot more difficult. We probably would have messed up a lot more and had a lot of uh, bad (laughs) choice quotes. Yeah. Considering we were really careful and we still had a couple things that were just super cringeworthy. Sure, Um, yeah. So it is still, like, skilled labor and something that's not compensated, and it's, like, this assumed thing that because it's a labor of love, you should just be doing it out of um, good intentions instead of wanting anything in return for yourself. Mm -hmm. It should be all selfless, which is really difficult in, I think, any, like, any work that revolves around care. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you guys get any kind of pushback? Like, why are these girls doing it? It's just for attention? Like... Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Um... From men. Mm. 
<laughs> a lot of the time for men. Um, I, when I did, uh, I think we did, we did a few radio shows together and then yeah. we had to do a few of them separately. Did we do Bill Good together? No. Okay. So I did, you. that was just me by myself and I got a lot of, um, I guess he has a pretty big, uh, that's on CKNW and he's got quite a bit of, um, I think his listenership, his audience, I guess is the word that I was looking for, uh, is a lot of them are, you know, men between the ages of like 40 and 60. So like prime dad years. Um, well, for dads of our age, I guess <laughs> I'm trying to justify that retroactively, but, um, but they, a lot of them were like, well, I don't, I don't see this being a problem. Like, well, do it you take, it hasn't happened to me. It hasn't happened to me. I've never <laughs> seen it happen. Like, well, do you take transit on a yeah. daily basis? No. Are you like the target usually of these situations? No. Like, do you pay attention when you are there? Like, well, not really, but I haven't seen it. So it can't possibly be. Uh, an actual problem. So we de definitely ran into like people who just could not make uh, like an empathic leap to what it might be for like for somebody who isn't exactly mm -hmm. like them or just the fact that they can't generalize their own experiences onto everyone else. So mm -hmm. we definitely ran into people who would like phone in on these shows and be like, well, don't you think it's like immigrant men who are disrespectful uh, yeah. of women? Like, yikes. And we shut that shit down yeah. pretty hard, I yeah. thought, which I was very proud of. And that was one of the very few restrictions we had in the submissions on the website was that we were happy to take all stories, but anything that got into... Um, transphobia, ableism, that kind of thing, we usually excluded because that's not <laughs> the kind of uh, messaging that we would ever want to put across, that it's uh, like caused by mental illness or caused by like cultural differences or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and that was a big thing. That came up a lot. Came like, up a lot. People wanted to talk about mental illness and sort of like almost excuse the behavior mm -hmm. by putting it on that, which was really difficult to deal with. Because mm -hmm. um, that comes up in Vancouver a lot where it's like, oh, you know, the people that take the bus are usually pretty low, like lower yeah. income, right? Because yeah. that's what you do with public transit. And, you know, maybe people dealing with mental health issues are going to be inappropriate on the bus in ways yeah. that like maybe people aren't that comfortable with, but then it's like, how, how much do we have to do like that? We want everyone to make us feel super comfortable and how much do we accept people where they're at yeah. in terms of like the shit that they're dealing with that day. But for me, like, and I think that you guys would probably agree. It's like, there are, you know, social, I don't, I don't want to say like social norms that people should adhere to, but just like common courtesy mm -hmm. and respect on the bus. Even if you are having a really bad day, you don't usually like shout in someone's face mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. make somebody else feel really uncomfortable. Like, I think it's okay to push back against that. Even if somebody's dealing with, you know, a really terrible day mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. you can still say like, that makes me uncomfortable. That makes me feel inappropriate. And they should maybe apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think that's unreasonable to, uh, no. expect from folks if we're all trying to share like a really disgusting sweat can of a bus together <laughs> like it's fucking miserable enough like do you have to make it work yeah. <laughs> totally and that's that is that is something we ran into quite a bit and had a lot of difficulty with i think because you know where is the line between somebody can't you know control their behavior or somebody um it can't necessarily be held certainly not criminally responsible mm -hmm. for the things that they do but um uh, trying to figure out like what we could publish and what we couldn't publish because there were a lot of people who would write in and they were so frightened by their experience that they just became very hateful mm -hmm. about, you know, who had perpetuated the problem. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff that, um, we either edited out or just ended up not running. And we would, we would reply to people if they provided their contact info and just say like, we can't because of this reason, mm -hmm. which felt like the most 
sort of the only way we really felt ethically responsible about that because we really did feel compelled to put everything up in with as little editing as possible because mm-hmm. of course um, the emotional realness of the experience for people is sort of the one um, source of the truth of the experience I think it's it's not the only one but it is certainly the the most the longest standing impact is on the person who felt that they were victimized or that they were encroached upon and mm-hmm. so their emotional reaction to the event, regardless of how it may be actually played out, is what's really important, especially when we're not talking about, you know, using these blog entries to, you know, put someone in prison or something, because mm-hmm. generally speaking, that's not what it was for. So we weren't, you know, even accusing anyone personally, directly of things. Um, so that was that was complicated, you know, but um, but still trying to really actor- accurately portray the way people felt afterwards and how it's changed their behavior going forward. So people who mm. felt very unsafe or who felt really scared or felt abused or assaulted, um, they no longer feel safe taking public transit, which is, of course, a huge um, economical burden to carry if you can't take the public transit system anymore. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel safe doing that, then you have to either shell out for a car or pay for taxi mm-hmm. cabs and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's like a, there's a lot of emotional fallout and a lot of, um, a lot of you know, consequences for the people who don't, you certainly don't deserve them. Mm-hmm. So trying to accurately f- reflect what they had experienced was very important to us, even sometimes at the risk of not being entirely, you know, linguistically correct. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a tightrope walk for sure. I find mm-hmm. that really, really interesting. Did you find that a lot of people... Like, cause you, did you have open comments on the blogs that people could chime in and be like, Hey, I also, they were moderated. Yeah. But we mostly posted things. Right. Yeah. But it's like, so people, did you find that a lot of people had like empathy with the situations that were posted that you got a lot of feedback from people like, Oh, I've experienced that very similar mm-hmm. yeah. thing. And you know, you're not alone, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Most of the comments were really supportive of the project and of the people submitting. So most of them were messages of support saying that it was good that you stood up to this person or I'm glad you you made it through it or that you were able to share your story and that kind of thing. Um, we did get a couple of negative ones. If they were really egregiously offensive, we weren't going to post them um, or approve them. But if there were things that were like slightly controversial, we still allowed that person to voice their their comment. Mm -hmm. Um, But if it were going to be hurtful or offensive, as far as we could tell to the person who was sharing their story and who was vulnerable, we weren't going to include commentary on that because that's probably the last thing that you would need after putting yourself out there and being like, ah, this is a really painful thing for me and having someone be like, well, it's your fault. Yeah. So (laughs) So anything that was victim blaming or really, really misogynistic or anything like that, it didn't, it didn't go through. But, Mm -hmm. uh, but I think one of the, um, one of the we didn't necessarily expect it to happen, but the involvement of the transit police after mm-hmm. after the project had been running for a little right. while. Right. So yeah, you guys gained a lot of notoriety in the media in those first two weeks. You were mm-hmm. saying, and then it actually made some waves. And yeah, well, the transit police, um, regardless of what you might think about them, we, we kind of have to give them props in this scenario mm-hmm. because they were very um, active in seeking us out and trying to get sort of our consultancy for them for their um, text line. Mm-hmm. Um, the seven 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 seven. I think eight, how many seven, sevens? Seven it's... seven seven seven. So oh. there's one eight and five sevens. <laughs> That's still pretty confusing. It could yeah. have they could have spelled something. <laughs> Might have been a little easier. Yeah. But they uh, they had uh, apparently been planning to launch an app and a text line um, contact system to report uh, infractions on transit. And um, 
I think we forced their hand a little bit by getting this sort of publicity because huh. they pushed it out way faster than it, they had originally intended. So that the text line went live within a month, I think, after we sort of our story broke. So, mm-hmm. um, so then there was uh, uh, what would you call it? Like a framework of not a framework, just sort of like a, a and like a text message system where you mm-hmm. could just, you know, text the dispatch and say, this is what's happening, which in some situations is going to be quite a bit safer than picking up the yeah. phone and calling or using the uh, emergency strip or the red button. Yeah, on. just to kind of plug it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's so quick. They respond so, so quickly to it, like within a minute. So if someone does need to use it, you can count on it being fairly efficient, mm-hmm. which is nice. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I've, like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody push that emergency strip thing because mm-hmm. no. then you think of um in the sky train which is like the subway but above ground <laughs> the i realize that like ever you know whatever we know what these things are <laughs> um but there's yeah like a basically a strip on there that's like a silent alarm but you still yeah. have to like reach up yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty it's obvious pretty, yeah. and then does the train stop or is it just at the next no. station something might happen right it's a silent alarm right so. but it's still kind of obvious that maybe i don't know if i was if there was somebody sitting and stretch yeah <laughs> if there was someone sitting right next to me like crowding my space i yeah. don't know if i'd be able to get to it yeah. so. especially if they're threatening mm-hmm. so you can just say like oh i'm going to just text my mom or something and then just text the transit police and say yeah. some creepy guy who looks exactly like this is on this train and yeah. and then they will I, what i've heard sort of colloquially is that within two or three stops there's been um there's been actual officers on in the car yeah so from what i've heard i personally have not had to use it yet but i've heard really good things about it and that's something that i think was much more of a um concrete it's not a result of the project that Mm -hmm. we worked on but i think we definitely were able to inform it a bit Mm -hmm. which was really exciting um because we certainly didn't expect to really affect actual change yeah well, there's another thing. Awareness like just, was the only thing we thought we were going to achieve. Yeah, so, so just like being called on to do all these media interviews, now suddenly you're the experts in and you're doing this consultancy project and sitting on an advisory committee and like, mm-hmm. what was that like? Was that kind of intense? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> we're just looking at each other. Like, <laughs> that was, um, we don't necessarily love sitting on councils. It's not the most fun thing in the world. Um, no disrespect, but... Uh, Meetings are boring. Meetings are really boring, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, there's always a collection of people. There are some people who will take up a lot of space and others who don't necessarily like to be too verbal. Um, but it was very much like we were really excited about it, mm-hmm. um, and it quickly became something that was more, sort of more burden than, than mm-hmm. help, I think. Um, and so just kind of realizing that there is, you know, any no sort of body is all good or all bad. So discovering sort of with the transit police that they were definitely willing to take things into consideration. Mm -hmm. They were very thoughtful and they were all very, very nice to us. Mm -hmm. You know, they were all really cool and made sure that, you know, when we did sort of press conference stuff with them, we also had Anne-Marie McDougall from the Better Women's Support Services, who's just an absolute powerhouse. She's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to try to get her for the podcast sometime. Because she's just, (laughs) she's such a cool person and she's so, she does such amazing work. So to have her there with us was always felt like such a it's such an extra legitimacy yeah. and it was so comforting because yeah. she just knew what to expect and was able to kind of give us advice so we were really really grateful for her mm-hmm. so yeah um but the the but the council stuff is like like i said really exciting at first and then eventually you're like oh it's two years later and we still have to go to these meetings and it's just we're and not it's getting hard to see change come of that too. yeah i think that's a frustrating thing um 
we haven't put tons of time into physically being at the meetings, but you do have to plan around them. For me, it's a fair bit of travel to get there by transit because I still use transit, <laughs> um, despite everything. <laughs> uh, but it can be really intensely frustrating to sit there for two hours and maybe have a minute of input tops and feel like you're not actually contributing to something or you're not really seeing a lot of updates happen. Um, at no fault of the people who are organizing the meeting, sure. it just sometimes like the discussion will get dominated with one thing and you're sitting there for 20 minutes. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, do we still have to be talking about teenagers smoking pot yeah. at SkyTrain stations? Yeah. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just discovering kind of like the people who give their time to volunteer work and to advocacy and stuff. They're not all amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're not all thoughtful and they're not all great critical thinkers. So realizing like, oh, you know, just because you give your time to something doesn't mean that you're smart or <laughs> that you have your shit together. Yeah. Um, it's just that this is your cause that you're really excited about and yeah. you will show up all the time mm-hmm. and you have yeah. the time and resources to do that. Yeah, and I think that's really important to acknowledge too, is that you have to have a certain amount of privilege to be going to these meetings and mm-hmm. sitting on these boards. You have to have the time, you have to have um, the ability, the money whatever it is, get yourself there. Um, and if you just can't sustain that, then you can't be represented as well. Like there are people on that committee who are really awesome and they're very obviously interested in their particular cause, but are also very, um, diplomatic and Mm -hmm. like share the stage kind of thing, which is great, but it is very difficult that oftentimes the most vulnerable people can't represent themselves there, which is important to note. Yeah, there's a certain degree of entitlement that you have to harness, I think, to really show up and be present there. Like, you have to feel like you deserve to be heard. And unfortunately, there are some people who just have that already in huge reserve. Like the aforementioned guy who just plays, hey there, Delilah, (laughs) at you. It's that same kind of confidence. Looking you in the eye, despite the fact that you're crying tears of disgust. It was a whole lot of, yeah, there's, I, I know that I've been so grateful so many times to have Alexa beside me during a, a moment of incredible <laughs> nonsense. We'd just be able to look at each other in the eyes and communicate sort of subverbally with yeah. each other. Well, doesn't that speak to like how when you work in teams or whatever to do something, then it like eases the burden a little yeah. bit that at least yeah. you have somebody there with you to shoulder some of that. Or like you said, you guys were doing interviews separately. So yeah. it kind of shares mm-hmm. that like I run just like a monthly event and that's almost too much to coordinate sometimes with like promoting it, mm-hmm. organizing it, getting people there, booking the space, like bringing all the like items to the place that we're putting on the event that I've like delegated it to some other people and they're running it and now they're leaving and I don't, you know, you, you try to like mm-hmm. shift the burden mm-hmm. a little bit so that everyone's taking on an equal piece. Yeah. And so with just the two of you, I imagine that was like pretty, it, a lot of it fell to you guys. And so you were saying like, this was three years ago that you started it? It was, two years it was ago? October 21st, 2013 that the site launched. Yeah. And then... And you're still going to meetings and stuff about it now, sometimes. Well... Well... <laughs> we may, we may have on. both just sort of resigned from, yeah, the, right. from the council, because <laughs> yeah. we it was just getting to a point where we couldn't even keep track of it anymore. It was just such a... Uh, it was a really great idea. <laughs> And that's all I'll say about it, basically. But I do... uh, I think for me, too, the fact that I felt like I was going without making any change was 
frustrating enough yeah. that I didn't really see the utility in my going to those meetings yeah. anymore. Yeah. So when you ask yourself the question, like, what is the best use of me right yeah. now? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm totally ripping that off from Vicki Reynolds, who's an amazing, like, team builder, clinical supervisor for, like, yeah. all kinds of, like, social development work. Yeah. Um, sometimes the best use of you isn't going to those meetings. They seem to be running fine on their own. I'm going to put my energy into mm-hmm. finishing off my own school so that I can move into another position yeah. where I could affect something, yeah. like... Yeah, definitely. And I, uh, one thing that really kind of became very clear, even very, very early on in the project was that this is the one time I've ever done group work in university and not fucking hated every second of it. Yeah. Um, And so it was just so incredibly fortuitous that two people sort of with the same level of intelligence, the same desire to be involved in something and sort of the same ability to push through procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so to be so evenly matched in that regard was really excellent because we ended up, you know, staying on track and mm-hmm. both putting in pretty much exactly identical amounts of effort, mm-hmm. which is almost unheard of. And I don't think you can do it with, it's hard to do that with more than two people because getting like more than two people who really click super well with each other to mm-hmm. work on something all together is so hard. It's so hard. So, I mean... I'm in some ways I'm glad that like the bulk of the project is over but on the other hand it's sort of a bummer because you know we were just hanging out and enjoying spending time together but we could say you know oh we're doing work you know this is school work or we're like doing this for the project we're not we're trying just... bums on the side yeah we're... <laughs> that doesn't sound like us we're young professionals yeah we're definitely like hmm we're, we're 15 minutes all the time we're, we're 15... very angry feminists we never have fun we would arrive 15 minutes early for the meeting so that we could go and down like a really quick drink at the <laughs> restaurant that was adjacent to the building. So it's like, we're going to have to put up with some nonsense tonight, so glug, glug, let's do this. And we would, like, maybe have a dinner date after to just sort of endure Deep the rest. things that we didn't yeah. want to do. Yeah. So, Alexa, it sounds like your friend crush gambit kind of paid off yeah, if you guys absolutely. are still this close. <laughs> I'm so chuffed because I really felt the same way. <laughs> This is a total digression, but it was because we were in a media studies class before that, and I sat behind you... Was that 205? I think so. Was it gender and pop culture? With yes, it was. Joanna Mansbridge. It was. Who yeah. I, Joanna Mansbridge. I have a really big crush on She's you. She's so lovely. Is she related to, to Peter Mansbridge? Uh, no, no, <laughs> we checked. <laughs> <laughs> Beloved Canadian was, broadcaster Peter Mansbridge. No, no, she was a gorgeous sessional instructor in the gender studies department at SFU, and she had a smile that was like five days of sunshine yeah. all at once, and yeah. I really liked her. So she hears this. Just like beautiful, I love you. flowing, wavy cornbread kind of hair. And she like did had you us watch cornbread. I did. I was gonna say corn like silk? cornbread or something. Corn silk. I was like, that's not a term. Cornbread. Her beautiful wavy <laughs> cornbread hair. Cornbread is delicious. I'm fine with that. It's lower in the tiers of breads, but it doesn't mean any less to me because of that. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Okay, so I, so let's recap. I love Joanna Mansbridge. Yeah. She has cornbread hair. Yeah. She has corn silk hair. You can't, you can't make a song out of cornbread hair. Try me. <laughs> uh, and she would show us Mae West movies in yeah. class, which was like, that's a real good way to my heart, real yeah. quick. <laughs> so we were in that class together. Yeah, and you okay. were sitting kind of far away from me. But pretty much, this is such a, like, meet cute thing. <laughs> but... Okay, I'm beat red right now. <laughs> I, I love watching you squirm like this, Katie. This is great. We're going to force you to take compliments and you're yeah. going to like oh, it. Okay, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I really it was, like it. <laughs> it was basically just that, like, the first time you put up your hand, first of all, I was like, that's cool hair. 
that's and, that's always my in with people. Yeah, yeah. I could only see the back of it, but I was like, I bet the front's good too. <laughs> And you made a comment to something, I was like, well, that was insightful and smart and also funny. And then you followed it up with another piece of humor in the next comment. I was like, ah, you're so far away and I want to be friends with you. But I felt like I missed that boat. Nope. And then I had another class with you and you're like, I'm thinking of doing this project. I was like, that sounds cool. You're going to be my friend now. Yay. I'm so glad that all worked out. Wow, you were plotting this for a while. Yeah. She's playing the long game. That's not why I got into the geography course or anything, but like, that's a fun benefit. Oh, I'm so chuffed about that. That's very sweet. So we got to collectively make fun of that one girl who wouldn't stop talking about her sex life in the 205 class, which was weird. (laughs) She was, like, inflicting her stories on us. Oh, no. (laughs) I, I just have this really strong memory of her because she was so, like, she was, like, the whole pantheon of the girls TV show smushed into one person and just constantly like spitting things out that were sound bites. Sound bites. Like she put up her hand and decided to say in front of a class of 40 people like I'm going to be very disappointed if in my relationships in the future if I get home from working out and jogging my partner won't go down on me immediately. (laughs) I remember thinking I have never needed to know that about anyone. Oh my goodness. About what their requirements for oral sex are after exercise. Like I just so don't care and I was so upset at having to have that information that is still there <laughs> and in now the you're, fanny pack of my mind now you're sharing it with all of us yeah, here today yeah, please share this burden with me because I'm still so grossed out <laughs> it's just like not even about the content of what she said but the fact that she felt the that setting. she so needed to say it Aww. yeah in class in class oh dear it was so like I could oh. see overhearing that out if you're out at a bar and somebody's talking like that with their friends really loud and sure. you'd still be like yikes. Yeah, I would still but, yikes my bikes that for sure. Yeah, but <laughs> in front of a whole class, yeah, including teacher. Yeah, wow. That face a- after the teacher's face after she'd said that was like okay, moving on. <laughs> it was so like I don't know how to respond to that, so I will not. <laughs> <laughs> and it had nothing to do with what we were talking about in class either. <laughs> So whenever somebody tries to say, you know, like gender, gender and women's studies is so frivolous, I want to immediately say, no, it's not because I do all of these cool things, but that's the thing that comes to mind first. It's like, <laughs> you guys just all talk about your periods and stuff. Like, well, you're not a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I wish I could say that you were. There's always a couple bad peanuts in the nuts. <laughs> Which is a great <laughs> reference to make if you are a gender studies graduate. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, so. lordy. Um, cool. I really like that story a lot. I'm still be red. It's <laughs> very sweet. <laughs> I don't know. Chuffed. Like, you get friendship crushes, and you're like, man, if this worked out, it would be cool. I bet this person is as great as they seem. Aw, am I? Yeah. Aww! Thanks, Alexa. No problem, Katie. I like that. And people say that you don't make friends as an adult, but yeah. it's pretty easy. You just, like... Strike up a conversation, insinuate yourself into their group projects. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great Make plan. Make sure that they can't avoid you any longer. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't take that piece of advice, especially in relation to the transit thing. <laughs> don't don't insert yourself into places you shouldn't be. Just don't. Yeah. It's yeah. a good good piece of advice. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. So. Did you speaking of people in no, wait. Again, a very indelicate segue. I was going Please. to say, speaking of people inserting themselves where they don't belong. <laughs> yeah. But again, in the context of this harassment thing is kind of super gross. But yeah. um, how about like shitty hate mail that you guys got about your yeah. project? Do you feel like talking about that at all? Some. Uh, we didn't. I don't feel like we got tons, but we got enough. 
and just more like the comments from the radio show and stuff like that or yeah oh like bad times bad bad things yeah. was there what kind of blowback did you get from this project oh, or is there any not, like... not as much as we probably could have but that's having... exactly what you'd expect you didn't yeah. you didn't time. get like cross posted to reddit so you didn't get we did oh we totally we did. did oh that's good. oh we totally did yeah. but it just like wasn't uh, it was not something that got piled on thankfully okay. it was just a few yeah. people like oh just feminists who are mad which is like whatever that's par for the course that's I don't fine that's actually that. nice I would rather have that than anything else yeah, it's very like, true but the one thing that I did get was a very personalized piece of hate mail yeah. uh, and I wish I'd printed it out so I could read it out to you right now but uh, <laughs> the gentleman signed his actual name to it <laughs> <laughs> Which was weird because he used a lot of hate speech in the in the letter to me, oh, and uh, so I forwarded that to the police, yeah. and they opened up a file for me. So I, I didn't. They're they're like, hey, you want us to go to his house? <laughs> I feel like I'd talk to the mob or something. <laughs> you want us to talk to him? Like, mm, we can break a toe. We could An just, insignificant toe, just a little one. Just one toe. Just we'll break one toe. One toe. Like, a little mm, baby that's... toe. No one even needs that one. It's pretty. It was but very tempting. <laughs> it was very tempting, but I thought I didn't want to provoke him further under different names. So, Although uh, also unfortunate because he included his name, which also connected to his YouTube account, and had that short video of him trying to reenact scenes from Taken. Was, was that Taken? what that was? Was he doing Liam Neeson he was from, Liam ne- to- yeah. from Tooken? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it was an audition. I think he just took, like, it was three seconds at a time at different points in the movie that had no narrative arc or connection and acted them out by himself. And it was maybe, like, one-minute clip comprised of it things was, that were completely unrelated. It was so bizarre. From the movie. <laughs> and it was... If you're one, if you're putting this together, yes, we were petty enough to look this guy Absolutely. up on every possible platform and think about contacting his mother on Facebook because I found her name. Oh, I really wanted to... You? I really, really wanted to send her a note, oh. like, is this how you raised your son? Oh, God. Because the, the message had been, like, basically that I'm a fat, disgusting dyke. And that I should go away and never talk again. And that the women's studies department at SFU just had a bunch of dykes in it. And uh, didn't know how to do any kind of actual science. Because he he did math. And, you know, I checked out SFU's women's studies. And they were all just a bunch of angry lesbians. Sounds like he's being a bit theatrical. But that's kind of what he does best. Yes. For three second installments. You've taken my daughter! (laughs) So he was really hateful and nasty and said some things about me where he was like, yeah, I can tell by your hair that you're an ugly lesbian. Oh. So that was cool. So in response, I just cut my hair shorter. (laughs) I was like, you think I look gay now? (laughs) Fucking strap in. Because I'm just going to do more of what you don't like. Yeah. yeah. And also the beginning of that message that was like, what you're saying is unimportant and no one cares, followed by like three paragraphs of caring very much. Yeah. <laughs> caring about like, no, I don't, who cares? Not me. And then a bunch of reasons why but he totally tell does. You. Wow. Yeah. Like he yeah. sounds really like just emotional and hysterical. And yeah. Like really just like. Like he really needs to get his emotions under control and learn how to use logic and reason. Yeah. I think it might've been a hormonal imbalance. Yeah. 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 I, honestly, so I did, think, he, did he have a boner at the time? He might men, have had a men, boner. Men at can't th- think straight when they have boner. No, I think he was very upset about the boner that he had for for women that he did thought he shouldn't find attractive, and then we had a big boner for our angry feminism, and was not happy about it. And I was like, well, next time, just hang out in your workshop and hit yourself in the dong with a ball peen hammer and call it a day. <laughs> So that's my suggestion. Um, but we actually, f- I f- found new hate f- text yeah. written about us yes. last week. I was, 
I was Googling myself. As you do? <laughs> As one does. I was just trying to see if you could still find my Twitter account uh-huh. by searching my name. Uh-huh. Uh, and what I ended up finding instead was a cached page <laughs> on some crazy Christian hate forum. <laughs> we apparently have our own local, like, pseudo-Westboro Baptist church yeah. in the Lower Mainland. And they'd written this huge screed about a lot of different things, oh, all of them so equally bad. hateful. Um, I l- especially liked how the homosexuals were influencing young people, basically making them into Hitler youth. <laughs> yeah, that the, the, that the, the homosexual agenda was basically to recreate uh, the Third Reich, which mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like they didn't do any research on this. Also, really? I don't think they know what transgender means. Yeah. I'm going to, like, take a shot in the dark there, because that came up a lot, and they're like, these two transgender lesbian, what were the other descriptors? There were quite a few, and, like... Yeah. It, it's just, they were kind of just throwing out words that they had... they thought would be offensive to someone who was like them, which is part of the problem when they're trying to insult someone. They're like, you lesbian, and you're like, uh. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay, fine. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Yeah, that was really strange. So what we had, what, what it ended up being was they called us. It was my, one of my favorite insults I've ever been called was just a dizzy feminist. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Which is so because that's so what a milk toast insult. I was right? just thinking like, like that. You're trying... at a sock hop sharing milkshakes. Like, it was like don't feminist. don't dance with that Katie Norton. She's a real dizzy feminist. <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured a spinning newspaper like when he said that. dizzy feminist taking over the town. <laughs> Katie Norgan wants everybody to not listen to men talk ever again. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> Accurate. Her hair is so red because she's such a hothead. <laughs> it's true. Her fiery temperament. It's true. Yeah. You know, in a different era, I would have been burned as a witch. <laughs> it could still happen. I don't think they would have had manic panic back in which. I would have found days. a way. I would have. Uh, I would have bleached my hair in the sun and found hawthorn berries and just creamed it in there like. Uh, <laughs> I've got to stay on brand, Chris. It's really important to across, me. Across time and space. Across time and space. If I fall back in time, Outlander style, and fall in love with a Scottish laird, mm. <laughs> I'll still find a way to, you know, represent this ridiculous look that I've really committed to <laughs> these last few years. <laughs> that just made me think about Lander, and now I'm aroused. Uh, read your hate speech. <laughs> read my hate speech. Do you have no. it right now? Uh, oh, you know no, what? You know what? It's fine. We don't need to recreate It's very any long. Bullshit. It's very long. It's pretty yeah. funny, though. It would but... be good to do a dramatic reading at some point, though. Oh, maybe I'll just do that at an open mic sometime instead of telling jokes. I'll just... Yeah. This is the best letter I've ever received in my life. <laughs> Wonderful. Because it is one of the most impactful pieces of text I've ever received. It was incredibly long, mm-hmm. insofar as I got so bored reading it that I had unfocused. to super unfocused that I just had to control F just your name to find where they referenced you because it was just yep. on such a like teeny tiny little throwaway yeah. thing. But you're just part of the huge like feminist agenda that yeah. just like wants all men locked away and oh, not all men. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not all men. Not all men put in put in secret prisons and away from me. Oh dear. I don't actually want that. Yeah. Sometimes I want that. <laughs> not a lot, just a little bit. So are there any other kinds of like reflections from this project that you, I just I think that the the lasting effect of just your guys' friendship is really happy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's the best possible outcome from this whole thing. Like not only was it a pretty successful project in terms of what we wanted it to do, we've We've got the gift of friendship now. Yeah, it's true. It's so wonderful. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just really like still kind of a little teared up, honestly. (laughs) I have a lot of feelings and then I had wine and then I had more feelings. (laughs) It was the sweetest thing. Which is surprising because we're so cold and unapproachable. 
But oh, I guess yeah. that's what binds us together. Absolutely. So. We're so above it all. Yeah. But you guys said you were the most approachable that's just true. at the beginning that's of this true. podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like there's contradictions in that line of thinking. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that seems outlandish, and I, with my crazy, dizzy little female brain, I might be misunderstanding, but that's my takeaway. Is <laughs> your uterus wandering? Yeah. For, you yeah. better go catch it. <laughs> I don't know. I walked around a little today, so it might have displaced or something. It's just shaking up inside of you. Got hysteria now. It's like tucked up under your left lung yeah, or something. I need to go find a doctor and have him take care of that for me. <laughs> with this... Turn of the century style. With this vibratory machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get the crazies out. So It's a good way to shake your sillies out for sure. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I really... Like, reading texts about doctors <laughs> curing yeah. hysteria is so funny because they just hated doing it so much. Like, ah, oh, these stupid women. <laughs> and, like, the reason vibrators were invented is because doctors, like, hands were getting sore. <laughs> like, my wrist, I'm getting, like, repetitive strain from, like, having to from, help cure this, like, From hysteria. diddling all these fine ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and Being so a doctor was a lot different then. <laughs> yeah. They never washed their hands or anything. Oh, God. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> that makes the diddly bit worse, too. <laughs> the diddly bit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want to make the diddly bit any worse than it needs to be. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, God. Can we bring this back to anything sure. that's, that's important in any way? I, I think I think um, looking at the history of women's health care is actually really important. Okay. <laughs> true. True. No, enough. I don't know. I, I talk about vibrators all day if you want. Um, should we take maybe a little bit of a break sure. and get some fresh air? Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Hi, we're back from break. And over the break, we were just figuring out... Maybe a few other things just to touch on with your experience uh, for your project, and it kind of shook up a little bit of a memory of a project that I worked on in school as well. It kind of went bigger than I thought it would, so I don't know. Do you guys want to finish a little bit of yeah. your story? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we were just thinking about how the um, our instructor, Tiffany, who is a really... Tiffany Muller-Myrdal, a really, really awesome and inspiring lady. Name dropper. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only in like the weirdest, most yeah. esoteric of academic circles. Uh, but I remember because I had enrolled in her in the same class the year previous, and I got the syllabus, and it had that assignment on it. And I was like, no, thank you, because the work was so much for the for the simple or for the seminar that she was running. Yeah. But I think she had been under the impression that it was like a ten credit seminar, and so she'd made the uh, she had originally made the list like to be like a ten credit hours course, and. I had seen. I don't really know what that means. Oh, basically a lot of work. Basically, yeah, okay. that the that the work and the readings were about two and a half times more than a regular mm -hmm. like university seminar oh, class would have. Gross. So like it was a like master's level. It was like a master's level mm -hmm. seminar that she was running for sure. She, was, I think, she thought she was doing like an honors thing. So she did end up scaling it back. So I took it the year following. And I was really ready for it. I really wanted to do it because um, I just like I got a really good vibe from her. She seemed like a really uh, well thought out person who did a lot of really cool work in the community, um, working with like women transforming mm -hmm. cities and a bunch of other um, organizations that do similar work about the uh, nature of public space and how that that can be experienced differently depending on your uh, your own personal demographic affiliations. <laughs> So, yeah, the, the the experience of being, like, a disabled woman in the city, for example, is going to be a lot different than being, like, a 25-year-old guy who's fully abled and, you know, is white and straight and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's going to be a totally different experience. And so the class was just pretty much about that, mm -hmm. in, from what I remember. But the uh, 
Tiffany was really wonderful, um, and I don't think she expected our project to do nearly what it did. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I think for her, she was very supportive and very helpful, but I think also a little bit overwhelmed by the response as well. And knowing that she had indirectly brought this upon us <laughs> by assigning a project that resulted um, in what we were doing. So she was very, very helpful, but also like, if you guys need to not do all of this, <laughs> then maybe take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. So yeah. the so just kind of to like sum up how everything turned out, we ended up getting about 180 submissions to the website total. Mm-hmm. We still get a, We still get them... We get about one every week or two weeks now. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's still stuff coming in. And um, all in all, we had about 140,000 views Shit. on our WordPress site, which, hey, thanks, WordPress, for having all of those, like, uh, analytics mm-hmm. available to us so that we could see, like, my very favorite part, possibly of the <laughs> whole project, was them giving us the Google searches that led to our site, yeah, yeah, which yeah. were so amazing. There yeah. was like, um, like Filipino foot fuck was one of them, <laughs> <laughs> or I want to touch the girl foot on the bus or something <laughs> like that. Like that, just the things that people would type and then find our website and then click on our website yeah. was so surreal. Like, is it wrong if if my butt touches someone else's butt or something? <laughs> so. There were a lot of these amazing, amazing, like, sideways Google searches that had led to us, which I just, I I made posts that were just those, because they made me laugh so much. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I wish I had compiled a list and then was able to read it now, but it was, it was really amazing. Um, So yeah, that's, that's really what came of it. We ended up serving almost two years on this, uh on this committee with the mm-hmm. transit police. Um, I ended up parlaying the project beyond that one class into a directed project for my final semester of school mm-hmm. and ended up like um, doing sort of qualitative research on the stories that had been submitted to us. And so I got to do data coding for all oh. of them, which was not something that I ever expected to get to do at an undergraduate level. So yeah. it ended up becoming this very in-depth uh, um, uh like an essay in the end uh, about sort of the the effective dimension or the emotional impact that is on it, on it ends up on people who've had these experiences and how it impacts the way that they use uh, public infrastructure. I'm a big fucking nerd for data coding. I'll just say, I yeah, think I it's really it fun. at first, and then oh, once I got into so the fun. swing of it, it was really, really um, like meditative, mm-hmm. and then sometimes very depressing because I would still be going over all of these stories and like pretty, reading the content. Yeah, and that was like kind of a mixture of qualitative and quantitative right it mm-hmm. wasn't one particular thing yeah yeah so it was and i didn't have you know i wasn't using software for it or anything like that so That's it was all just best. by hand yeah 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 so it was a lot of like we fucking got thrown into the fire with this like it was like <laughs> just the impact of something succeeding I, you would never expect there to be um, negatives there. And there aren't... I, I wouldn't even really call what happened to us mm-hmm. negatives. Just, like, a lot of fucking work. I think it was... Mm-hmm. In the end, for me, in terms of that one class, the project, and just everything I did extracurricularly, I probably spent 600 hours on it. Yeah, wow. yeah. And we've never gotten any kind of remuneration for it. Not that we ever expected to, no. but that's just... we got just, course credit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of course credit. And good grades, sure, yeah. but at the same time, it's like... Oh, you know, our our blog became like a teaching method for the um, for uh, transit police officers who yeah. you know are responding to these kinds of 
uh, incidents. So for them to be able to sort of ex- understand the experience of the uh, of the victim and to be able to understand like how they process mm-hmm. the events, that's a very valuable resource for them that we were providing totally free of charge. Wow. Mm-hmm. Can you guys finagle yourself into any kind of jobs from this? Like being a workshop facilitator to like do education sessions for looks, transit police? It looks or? great on my CV. Yeah. I don't, I can't really speak for how that works with getting hired just because if stayed in the same job for a really long time at yeah. this point but uh, I'm really I'm kind of a hustler when it comes to work you're like such that. a hustler and uh so it's like if there's any way to be like oh well I could actually totally come and like do an in-service or do like a training around mm-hmm. this tool you know then we might be able to actually get paid for it well I did a I did a, a not <laughs> unremunerated talk at the Western Washington University uh on behalf of their like um uh women's club I don't that's I feel like that's at the women's center yeah um and so they invited me down to Bellingham to give a talk at an American university huh. and I did not take money for it because I would have that would have fucked me up at the border but they like paid for a hotel and my dinner and everything and I get to hang out with all of these cute Fucking money grubbing feminists <laughs> I'm just totally it was it was just such a cool experience you know and it was it was it was so surreal to like be considered an expert on something and certainly we're not you know like the Malcolm Gladwell type of expert like we yeah. didn't spend 10,000 hours on this but to be considered any kind of authority on this is so novel and Mm -hmm. so and I mean thinking about it in terms of how much work we did Mm -hmm. it's totally legit Mm -hmm. but I don't know I still have that sort of imposter syndrome about it oh yeah yeah Yeah. what do you think Alexa do you feel the same kind of (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is weird because you're like I do have expertise I've spent many many hours thinking about this and compiling the stories and doing the interviews but then when someone is like can you speak to this event that might be like related to the project but not a part of it and you're like whoa I guess like I guess I can do that now but um yeah on the other hand it is weird like this is kind of a bit of a tangent but it feels sort of weird having it on my resume because I think that it's so valuable and I'm so glad that we did it And I do think that I gained some skills out of it. On the other hand, knowing certain prejudice about gender and about gender studies as a discipline, Mm -hmm. it's very strange when I apply to jobs that aren't gender studies specific, because I'm like, I wonder if someone's going to look at that and be like, oh, she's super opinionated, (laughs) and which is true, but... um, But I'm also like, you know, people have those stereotypes about feminism and about gender studies, so I worry that it might actually hinder me if someone sees that as the first thing on my resume and write me off being like, I don't want to have some whistleblower squeaky wheel in here Mm. mixing things up, starting a revolution. (laughs) So that's kind of a weird thing for me because I'm conscious of that being on my resume and like almost politicizing it just Mm -hmm. by being there. So that's my, my response to that is if they don't hire you because of that, you'd probably fucking oh, hate yeah, working there absolutely. anyway. So maybe yeah. it's okay as like a litmus test. It's mm-hmm. true, yeah. To have that on your resume. And if they're like, oh, we don't want this, like, yeah, feminist whistleblower. It's like, okay, good. We would not have gotten along. Yeah, it probably like holds it down a little bit. Yeah. So. But I, I mean, mean, if you're actually trying to like get paid work. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you put, like a necessity. You put it on there or not, they, if they're trying to vet you, they'll Google you anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. just going to see it. Because like, that was... 
that was strange for me because, like I said, I Googled myself recently. It's not something I do constantly. Uh, you know, you. I Google. <laughs> it sounds like it just sounds like masturbation, right? Like I don't do it often. <laughs> Everybody does it, though, right, guys? Um, but no, I was I was really looking for specifically to see if certain things that I participated in were visible online. So I looked myself up, and it's like the first three or four pages are all just mm-hmm. look what Katie did with the Translink Harassment Project. Look at Katie saying something. Look at this unflattering picture. It's a lot of very unflattering pictures, but like yeah. a lot of, uh, uh, you know, activists, Katie Norgan, blah, 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 which was, um, that it, it felt very legitimizing. Mm-hmm. So if you look me up, you have to go at least five pages deep until you find this awful interview that I gave at a Star Trek convention <laughs> <laughs> about being an intergenerational Star Trek fan, Oh my god! <laughs> which is a good one. Cause I talk about my mom getting a girl boner for Picard in this, in this article. So, uh, it's kind of good that that got a bit buried. <laughs> You'd have to be pretty tenacious to go back that far and to see me see, like really geek out super hard. So I seem like a very serious person if you just Google me. Uh, and great, because not the case yeah, whatsoever. we know better. We're putting your silliness now out into the world a little bit more. <laughs> Get ready, world. So Chris, you said that this was bringing up some uh, similar feelings for you about a project that you were a part of. Yeah, I didn't like. I don't even know if we need to get into it super deep, just because we're kind of running low on time. I guess we don't really have a super huge time limit, but uh, I was in a policy class also at SFU, um, and we were just carrying on some work that a previous class had done, looking at um, policies around public toilets. So they had, like, done an audit of the city of Vancouver to see, like, where the public toilets were Mm -hmm. and how accessible they were. They were looking Mm -hmm. really at, like, wheelchair-accessible stuff. Um, And so then our class sort of was supposed to carry that on, and we, like, did, like, another check back in, like, looking around to see, like, all the different public toilets and, like, what kinds of structures were around them, how accessible, where they were, if there were ones that were available for people, like, especially in, like, uh, the downtown east side, lower-income neighborhoods and things like that. Um, But then it turned into, like, a much bigger project. Our instructor is also a really amazing and tenacious woman who expected a lot of us. She's, like, an anthropologist, and so she was really into group dynamics, and she made this group project. Like, there's eight of us, and she made us work together as this, like, cohesive pod. Mm -hmm. You know, we had all these cool exercises where you go around, like, name your strengths and the things that you want to work on and, like, paired people up in really interesting ways to do this project. So, again, for me, it was, like, the best, smoothest group project that I've ever worked on. Mm -hmm. Um, because of all that groundwork, which I, I would like to, like, remember to do that in other groups that I've done where you really, yeah, name your skills and your special, and, like, knowing yourself, like, oh, I really actually love coming up with ideas, but I'm actually pretty bad with the follow-through to, like, pair yourself up with someone who really likes to do the follow-through stuff. Just and, like, editing. Loose ends and yeah, so we had a really nice mix of people in our group as well. Um, but I was just amazed in terms of looking at policy, like just how much stuff is accessible on the internet or in the city archives. So we looked at toilet policy in the city of Vancouver going back to the twenties. Wow. Like we're like, where did, you know, those, um, the washrooms by Carnegie or by, um, Victory Square where you have to go down the steps and it's like, who runs these? So you just like start asking questions of like the employees that work there it turns out they're called comfort stations, and they're, like, they were built, and I forget the time frame, but they were built by just a family, and that family legacy still kind of runs these bathrooms, so they're kind of not part of the city at all, which is weird, mm-hmm. and 
they have all these other different like rules and regulations. I've never been into one of those. Mm-hmm. So did you go down the yeah. stairs into this like washroom Narnia? Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> what's down there now? I'm curious. Yeah, they're super <laughs> super clean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super clean, super well lit. Um, and there's That's just cool. an attendant that like works there for like huh. eight hour shifts like underground. It's kind so of strange. depressing maybe for them, but yeah, I don't know. Everyone seemed pretty nice. They were like. Yeah, their main concerns were about, like, signage. Like, mm-hmm. they wanted to make sure that they were signed, like, no this, no that. Like, especially mm-hmm. around injection drug use mm-hmm. and stuff. And their big thing was, like, how do we keep people from shooting up in here? Mm-hmm. And so the real policy push around public toilets in Vancouver was around people injecting in back alleys and people peeing in back alleys mm-hmm. and then people injecting drugs with pee water. Mm-hmm. And so they are like, we really need to... This is so gross. <laughs> but, like, just how public toilets are, like, a huge health issue, and you don't realize how much they intersect with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, one of our teams went to, like, the city archives and, like, dug up, like, letters that people had written, like, I, I'm a woman in 1970, and I'm visiting Vancouver from London, and I thought that Vancouver was a world-class city, but I couldn't... I had to you know, go to a restaurant, use their washroom, and it was humiliating. There should be more public bathrooms. Like, they save everything. And, like, myself and another person had to just go back through all the parks board and all the city council meeting minutes, just scan any time that they mention toilets and pull that out. And so we made this huge timeline from 1920 until now about, like, how public toilets have evolved in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just didn't realize what a rabbit hole thing. So kind of like your project, like, Mm -hmm. it exploded into a much bigger piece when we're, like... This is a debate that has been going on forever because mm-hmm. public bathrooms are really important. And apparently yeah. that's like the biggest issue that Parks Board has to deal with. Mm-hmm. They say toilets and dogs are like the two things that they wow. have to deal with the most. Amazing. And so we also got into like looking at the advertising on the sides of the toilet, like who's the company mm-hmm. that's providing. New ad. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, and CBS Media or whatever, yeah. uh, Dish Show. And it's like, okay, it's this French company and. I don't know. There's just, like, all this different stuff that basically Sell goes into it. space on the toilet bowl yeah. or something. Yeah, and so then because, like, it... I don't know. I kind of don't want to get too deep into this, but sure. basically, like, that the public toilets became street furniture rather than a mm. essential service because they were selling this ad space on it. Mm. And right. so then they didn't have to actually go by regulations around accessibility and stuff because uh. it's just a piece of street furniture. Uh. Yeah, so just the way that things are labeled and named, like, within the budgets and mm-hmm. blah. So... This turned into, like, basically we thought that was going to be the end of it. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we've made this huge thing, and then we're going to write a couple of policy recommendations and take it to city council and just say, hey, we've done an audit of your public toilets. This is what we should do. But then... But then... One of my classmates was really connected with the NDP, and the NDP, like, BC NDP convention was happening in Vancouver during the time that our class was happening. So my teacher was so ambitious and was like, okay, you're going to get a motion about public toilets into the roster for the convention. Not for this year, but for the next, like, convention two years from now. So we just had to go and promote this thing. So we basically started a nonprofit. <laughs> like, I just... What blew my mind is that people can just do this. Like, you can yep. just... If you oh, get yeah. a few people together, you can just show up. So, obviously, we were privileged with the connection to get some free floor space at this convention. Yeah. But if you wanted to just wait outside and talk to people, you could totally do that. Mm-hmm. And we called ourselves Toilets for All. And we made a logo. And we made all of this reading material. And we just promoted it to everybody. So, we met Tom Mulcair. Nice. We met, like, a whole bunch of other, like, um, NDP folks and just like chitty chatted with folks and saying like, Hey, we're going to put forward this motion next 
round of convention and would you please like support it and got a lot of support and people signed on to like this petition we've got like tons and tons of likes on the facebook page like it turned into a thing yeah which was really interesting and strange that like the ndp they were really yeah. into it like people really were interested in coming to hear what we had to say yeah so now this year it's been two years so now it's the newest convention and the <laughs> policy class this year has taken it up as well nice. and so they got to go to convention just because we were allowed to get in last time, they were like, oh, sure, you can come this time. Like, Come it, on in, toilet folks. Like, it literally <laughs> just takes one guy being like, oh, yeah, I could probably talk to someone and get you to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now they have, like, a standing invitation. And yeah. these, like, new set of, like, keener policy students that are super cute, one of them dressed up as a poop emoji and just ran around the <laughs> NDP convention. <laughs> So they drew a lot of attention to it again, and I think, I don't know what happened with it, but I don't know, it kind of, again, like, blew up into this larger Yeah, piece. so the, the, theme, the thematics are very, very similar mm -hmm. in that, like, we're talking about, like, public use of space and public need for uh, the movement through space, and... Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, peeing and pooping is very important, mm -hmm. as well as, like, being able to move over large swaths of land. Like, both of those things being are essential on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. right? It's, yeah, it's not even comfortable just, mm -hmm. like, being not in horrible pain or, like, not <laughs> trapped anywhere, distress you know? Distress always. Yeah. Just <laughs> constant distress. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, that something that you put together almost at the idea of playing at activism that eventually just, like, it just gets picked up by a current somehow mm -hmm. and just gets away on you. And then you have to just kind of hang on and learn as you go. Yeah. Which is honestly the best way to learn how to do anything, but it is the most stressful way mm -hmm. how to learn to do anything. Um, and it's unfortunate that those two things are, are both true of it, because mm -hmm. I don't think I could have learned more skills at how to, like, deal with in a, in a media context. Mm -hmm. um, I do have one person that I should really thank for, for that. I will two people, actually. Uh, Katie Rasso and Josh Tabish. Mm -hmm. Josh Tabish is now with Open Media. Yep, uh, I get Katie, emails from him on the regs. <laughs> yeah, and Katie Rasso has moved back to Ontario where she is working in health policy, uh, specifically about like uh, trans um, uh, transgender confirmation surgery accessibility. She's been doing like a lot of, of this stuff with like a health outfit in Ontario and uh, what Katie did was she uh, arranged the Vancouver Slut Walk in 2011 before we all kind of decided that the politics of the movement were not really in line with how we felt about things. But she put me on the media team with her and Josh, and I never had any experience with that, but she just trusted me. And I picked up so much stuff from her and was able to, like, understand, you know, the idea of working out your messaging beforehand and just, like, writing out certain sentences, like, let's say this a bunch of times and let's make sure we don't use these words. And so being able to, like, have even the slightest framework around how to, how to put things together and how to, like, promote yourself... Um, both of them were just indispensable uh, in, in teaching me how to do those kinds of things. And I only had, you know, the kernels of that when I came to this new project, but it was enough to grow into something huge, like in terms of what we actually thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, Alexa, you were talking about imposter syndrome a little bit. Yeah. And so that definitely happened with our like toilet project where we're like, we're just students. But the like our teacher was like, don't say that you're a group of students mm -hmm. from SFU say that you represent this organization. Like, you really had to fake it, mm -hmm. but people took us so seriously because you do just present it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And But the thing that's kind of blowing my mind these days, it's like, now I'm 30, now I've been working, like, in the field of, like, mental health and housing for the mm -hmm. longest time, like, going on seven or eight years, 
and I actually do kind of know some stuff, so I get asked to come and do speaking engagements or, like, teach a workshop, mm-hmm. and I'll still have that imposter syndrome, like, oh, I have no idea, and then you get questions from the people at the workshop, and they are asking questions that I have the answers for. Yeah. For real. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it still feels like I'm nervous and I'm faking it until then suddenly you're just like, wait, I... It just clicks into place I somehow. totally do know this. You're, like, on the tree. You're not sure if you're on the track. You're wobbling. Then you just click in and, like, oh, okay. Yep, I know yeah. how to do this. So, like, fake it till you make it is, like, really fucking real. It's mm-hmm. such good advice. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, and it's, it gives you a lot of cognitive dissonance at first, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely, more than anywhere else on the radio, experienced that. Because I, I, like, with a camera in my face, I definitely felt really awkward. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was your experience, but I don't like being videotaped. Yeah. I don't mind being photographed and I don't mind being recorded, but I don't like being video recorded. So I felt very self-conscious then. But when we did radio, because it was always so, so early in the morning. I found radio or, weirder. Well, I guess it's just, I guess we're all different, Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> the, one, the one that was really strange for me was the live TV appearance that I did. Oh, did you? When was that? What, what was that? Uh, I think I did that. Thank afterwards. you for not making me do that. That's that was through Hollaback, I think. Oh, okay. But they contacted me as someone who had been part of Hollaback Vancouver and part of um, harassment on Translink because they were talking about a specific incident that happened um, on transit and wanted me to comment on it. So again, I had to skip class and or go into class late that day and. Um, go do this interview in the studio and it was completely live and it was so weird and I wasn't ready and uh, Google Maps gave me a somewhat incorrect route so I ended up running into the studio I didn't even have time to look in a mirror my hair was like gross and sweaty and stuck to my face and don't look up the video (laughs) but like I was kind of gross and nervous and frazzled and that was the weirdest one um like being hooked up to the mic and then having to just speak into a camera with no one behind it yeah. It's oh. really weird. Yeah. Um, and you're getting, like, the delay on the audio and everything like oh, that. Oh, I hate so that. the worst. It's so disorienting. So, so weird. And I didn't realize how many times I swiveled back and forth until I watched it over. Um, on the chair? They had, yeah, they had me on a swivel chair. So you're just, like, just winging your way back yeah, around because you're so like nervous? Yeah, around the worlding the entire time. You should have just spun completely, like, 360. <laughs> yeah. That would have been, like, well, wing, 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 <laughs> wing. <laughs> It's all a big, crazy merry-go-round. Yeah, exactly. Just made that, like, my big finale. Just one, like, yeah. (laughs) Look what I can do. fast rotation. Or or enter the interview that way with, like, a cat on my lap, a hairless cat. (laughs) Good evening. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the weirdest one. But, yeah, the the interviewing process was weird. I didn't have any interviewing experience before that. You did not make that come across at all. That's I would good. have to say like you certainly see I think again with the faking it. If yeah. you fake it with any amount of confidence and we're both able to smile even when terrified. Yeah. Uh seems to be really useful. Also actually. Being super tired helps because you're just like whatever happens in my mouth right now is what's going to come out of it. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I think that to myself often. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, just um going into it and just realizing that you can't get out of it kind of and if you mm-hmm. do somebody with a blazer is going to yell at you <laughs> so going back to like you know the first guy with his acoustic guitar and yeah. like cutting it halfway through to like save a shred of dignity i guess yeah. you're kind of saying like sometimes you do have to stick it through and just commit yeah uh, so maybe do we feel a little more empathy for that guy no nope. no no i don't i don't because they had asked us to talk yeah. <laughs> that's the big difference yeah. They showed up at my 
my place of work with a giant camera and made us walk around for 20 minutes for fucking B-roll, so... Yeah. They weren't captives in a room, either. Yeah, it they was... They had the freedom to leave when they didn't want to hear that song anymore. Yeah, it was... It was very strange. All right, well, uh, I tried yeah. to turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> that was that sweet. we grew a bit over the course of this podcast, yeah. we still hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it still right. sucks. Never sing at someone. Shout out to that guy. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. Hey there, Delilah. I don't know how that song hey goes. Hey there, Delilah. What's it like in New York City? But just intense. It's loud. Yeah. It smells like pee. <laughs> yeah. I Bye, go click. <laughs> I can't afford rent. Everything feels sad and hectic. Leave me alone, guy with a guitar. Oh, I was, who does that song? Is it Train? Plain White Tees? Oh. I don't even I think. Know. Oh, could you imagine a guy singing Drops of Jupiter to you at a... Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> he did the Wonderwall best soy latte same... that you've ever had. <laughs> he did um, that and Wonderwall in the same retreat one year. <gasps> no! Yeah, yeah, the second one was around a campfire. No. That's... Uh-huh. A little more appropriate. It is. It's more appropriate than storming into a room full of, like, young women who are trying to get to sleep. Oh, they came into your sleeping quarters? Yeah. Okay, no sympathy for that guy whatsoever. With a pinstripe fedora. Oh, no, we're going to put him in the naughty corner. (laughs) (laughs) He was also good at Dane Cook impressions. I'm just putting this nameless guy on blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all coming together. These are all very... (laughs) Is that the guy who sent me the hate mail? Uh, It might have been. Yeah. (laughs) It could very well could have been. There is something very, very satisfying to be able to inspire someone to send you hate mail. It means you're doing something right, I think. Maybe, or really wrong. Mm. But if it's like 95% praise and like 5%, I hate your gay face, then uh, <laughs> I'm going to listen to the 95% probably yeah, and li- leave my gay face exactly where it is. Yeah, live your life so that like people that love Fox News and read the Sun newspaper <laughs> like hate I your I want guts. them to leave me hateful comments about how I'm going to sub-dead hell or something like mm. <laughs> extra hell. <laughs> I'm going to like hang out with Gloria Steinem and Yoko Ono down there or something. Aw, they're both still alive, Katie. <laughs> well, I presume they'll so die 80, before me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they're both in their 80s, Chris. <laughs> I'm not planning on murdering Yoko Ono or Gloria Steinem. I'm just going on, you know, statistics. I know. I just don't like committing that to recording because I'm worried that by the time we release this, one of them will die. I'm going to take bets on who I'm making. I'm so sorry. I think we have to stop. Oh, no. Oh, Yoko. Oh, no. God damn you. Well, yeah, so know your audience, I guess, is the, I the guess. lesson. <laughs> and if it's if you're getting less than 5% criticism, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And cut that guy off if you're trying to sleep and he keeps singing. Yeah, yeah that's good. Do that. Just say no, thank you. Assert your right to say no. Yeah. Oh. On the train. Yeah. In your bunk. Yeah. Anywhere. I thought that was going to go into, be. like, a Dr. Seuss rhyme. No. That's okay. Just just listing the places where it's cool to say no, which is all of them, yeah. actually. Great. So, yeah. Cool. You don't have to stand for that shit. Hot tip. <laughs> all right. Until next week, we've been the Sea Hags. Thank you, Alexa. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. You guys want to go for a swim in the ocean? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>